，享受工作，乐生活。就算不在办公室，也能从容应对线上会议。HP Dragonfly 透过专业的 HP Presence 设计，内建降噪及会议快速键，搭配清晰的 Ben and Olufsen 音效，增强音讯及视讯功能。HP Dragonfly 顶级商务笔电，采用 Windows 11专业版。让您在会议中享有最佳的视觉和听觉品质。China's growing ambition to invade Taiwan was made clear in a recently published footage of a PLA beach landing exercise. However, U.S. Army officials believe China is still a long way from successfully doing so. They added that what the U.S. should do now is to boost Taiwan's asymmetric capabilities in order to deter any offensive action by China. Chinese state media CCTV released footage of a PLA beach landing exercise. The target, obviously, being Taiwan. At a think tank discussion on Tuesday, U.S. Army General Charles Flynn said that crossing the Taiwan Strait is not as easy a feat as China may think. Also at the event, Army Secretary Christine Wormuth says that even Chinese leader Xi Jinping may have reservations about a successful amphibious invasion of Taiwan. The complexity of a joint island landing campaign is not a small matter, and you have to be an incredibly professional, well-trained, well-led force. And they're working on it, but I will tell you that,、uh, in my per- from my perspective, they're not ten feet tall. They have work to do. So I would imagine, you know, President Xi、um, may have questions about how successfully the the PLA could do that. I personally am not of the view that you know a, an amphibious invasion of Taiwan is imminent,、um, but we have to obviously prepare. When I think of the Army's role in the Indo-Pacific, I really focus on deterrence. Wormuth said the best way to avoid land war is to boost Taiwan's asymmetric capabilities. And help Taiwan become a porcupine that can deter an invasion. Meanwhile, at a webinar hosted by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, U.S. Ambassador to China Nicholas Burns said his country has a unique responsibility to help Taiwan deter any Chinese offensive action. The United States has a unique responsibility here through the Taiwan Relations Act. It is our obligation, obviously, to maintain our own military strength、uh, in and around Taiwan in this part of the world. To make sure that the Taiwan authorities have the ability to deter、uh, any kind of Chinese offensive action, it's also, I think, our responsibility to galvanize the rest of the world、uh, to make sure that、um, that the Chinese cannot get away with、uh, coercion or intimidation against. Uh, Taiwan itself. Burns added that the U.S. and its allies want to see Beijing respect the status quo of the Taiwan Strait, and underscored the necessity of a peaceful solution to cross-strait differences. U.S. Democratic Representative Jake Auchincloss was one of the politicians that visited Taiwan as part of a congressional delegation in mid-February. On Tuesday, he revealed to U.S. media that after returning to the U.S., he had received a letter from China's embassy protesting the visit. The embassy expressed quote, serious concern over the visit, adding that China will not allow Taiwan to be divided from it in any way. Over on Twitter, Auchincloss said he did not care that China was angry about the visit. He added that he would stand with freedom and democracy and would not flinch just because the CCP is angry. As inflation continues to rise, salaries stagnate. Many households feel a pinch on their budget. 
Now figures suggest more and more professionals in full-time work are turning to freelance jobs to boost their monthly income. The number of full-time workers taking freelance jobs grew by 20% in 2022. That's according to a popular online platform matching freelancers to clients. We spoke to some of the professionals to find out more. Mr. Lee stares at the screen. Speed is the name of the game. Whether he's applying special effects to a client's video, adding subtitles, or editing the footage. My salary now is 35,000 to 40,000 NT a month. I rent an apartment in Taipei, so I have rent, I pay for all my own meals, and then there's things like insurance, leisure, it all adds up to a lot of expenses. Professional video editor Mr. Lee says inflation is making his living costs spiral. Now, alongside his full-time job, he started taking on extra freelance work. One video is about 6,000 NT. I usually do one a month, but sometimes when there are more jobs available, I do more. I once did three in one month and earned 18,000 NT. Mr. Lee takes on as much work as he can and his earnings fluctuate from month to month. Another creative professional in the same situation is Miss Chiu. As a graphic designer, Ms. Chiu's full-time job pays her less than 40,000 NT a month. She earns an extra 10 to 20,000 each month with freelance gigs. Pay raises have lagged way behind inflation in the last two years. According to data from this freelancer's platform, more and more professionals with full-time jobs are turning to freelance work to supplement their income. The demographic grew by 20 percent in 2022. Most can make 5 to 15,000 NT a month through freelance projects. Right now, we can see that the number of people in full-time work who take freelance jobs on the side has grown particularly. Last year, the demographic grew by about 20 percent. In this precarious economy, many employees are not holding their breath for a pay rise. More and more professionals are concluding that the freelancing lifestyle is the best bet to balance their budget. Controversy continues over the apology that Taipei Mayor Jiang Wanan offered yesterday at Taipei's 228 Incident Memorial event. Critics say his apology fell short as he focused on his identity as city mayor and not as the great-grandson of Jiang Kai-shek. Amid the controversy, one KMT councillor says that Taipei should just not hold memorial events for the victims of the massacre. Her comments have sparked outrage from DPP councillors and from associations fighting for transitional justice. Taipei Mayor Jiang Wan'an met with Climber from reporters upon arriving at a meeting room on Wednesday morning. One day before at Taipei's 228 Incident Memorial event, he had given a speech that did not go down well with critics. As the mayor of Taipei, I would like to express my most sincere apology for the crackdown on cigarette sales near the Tianma Tea House in Taipei's Dadaocheng neighborhood 76 years ago, an incident that led to the 228 massacre, the pain of which has transcended history. It was perfunctory, and he missed the main point. Did he mean to say that if there had been no crackdown on cigarette sales, it would have been fine? Because that's not the case. A 228 incident would have broken out regardless. He's playing down the matter, and it's not in good faith. The head of the National 228 Memorial Museum says the cigarette crackdown was just the tipping point. 
He says the real discontent came from the authoritarian KMT government's suppression of Taiwanese people. The surname Jiang comes with certain political advantages, but it should also come with some responsibilities. I do not feel he was sincere. The National 228 Memorial Museum is a central government entity. We respect the reading of the situation. We can't simply say that what Major Jiang said was bad or wrong because of his unique status. The incident is something all leaders should learn a lesson from. Some protesters, some more disruptive than others, made their voice heard at the memorial event. KMT Taipei City Councilor Zhong Peijun says she will bring up a proposal to stop holding the event. As long as these troublemakers take the day to amplify their own voices, the 228 Peace Memorial Day will remain a turbid day, as there is no way for anyone to find out what really happened. So, what's the point of making a memorial holiday? If Taipei stops holding its memorial event for the 228 incidents, the only thing that will happen is the people of Taiwan will think that the KMT and Jiang Wan'an do not want to face up to what really happened, what happened to transitional justice. I understand the motive, but I think there is no need to get so nervous to the point of cancelling it altogether. But it doesn't matter. If department head Tsai Shiping really considers the advice from the councillor and Taipei doesn't hold a memorial next year, we'll hold it. We'll do our own event. Zhang's proposal has met outcry from DPP councillors and even the honorary chair of the Memorial Foundation of 228. Some say that calling off the city's event would only give rise to more controversy and not be conducive to healing the scars of the massacre. Taiwan's Yang Kunbi has kicked off his competitive season with a great start. On Tuesday, he bagged a gold medal at the Asian Shotgun Cup in Kuwait in the men's trap shooting event. Last year in September, Yang won a bronze at the World ISSF Championships Shotgun in Croatia, becoming the first Taiwanese athlete to qualify for the 2024 Paris Olympics. Next up for him is the Open Shooting Championship in Carter, before returning to Taiwan on March 14th. The pandemic has been devastating for restaurants, but one family business in Kaohsiung has managed to weather the storm and come out stronger. The eatery continues a proud family tradition of stone hot pot. At one point, the business had 42 locations nationwide, but after COVID hit, it was down to just one location. Then the next generation took over and revolutionized the business. Locals say it's more delicious than ever. Rolls of pork are placed in circles, then into the middle goes a final ring to create a dry ice effect like an overflowing volcano. Garlic and onions are sautéed in sesame oil to caramelize in this stone pot before a delicious broth is poured inside. All round the pot is a flying saucer-shaped grilling tray. Butter is smeared on for an extra punch. This dish might ring bells for lots of our Kaohsiung viewers. I ate this before in junior high. It's delicious. The first time I ate it was probably at university. I know my mom and dad always ate this on dates years ago. This much-loved Kaohsiung restaurant has been here 54 years. Their secret family recipe is a traditional stone pot hot pot. When the second generation took over the business, they brought out the flying saucer-shaped grills, as well as hot pots for two. Then they launched the all-you-can-eat model. 
At the peak of their popularity, they had 42 locations across Taiwan. But consumer habits have changed, and in the last three years, the pandemic was a big blow. They got down to just one restaurant left, the family's own location, struggling to make it work. We announced that we were going to have to shut down and my mom wanted to retire, but so many of our customers, folks who were still living three generations under one roof, came and asked if we could stay open. I was quite touched by that. It seemed time to come back home to help out. Now, third-generation owner Zhang Zhikai has thoroughly renovated the whole restaurant. The menu has changed, as has the style of dishes on offer. The all-you-can-eat option is gone. In the past, we were chasing the all-you-can-eat market, but actually that meant we could never upgrade the quality or bring back the original flavor of the broth. After I came back, the first thing I did was to make a change. A family favorite has been given a fresh start. The classic hot pot aroma mixes here with buttery grilling in a unique way. For Kaohsiung locals, it's a nostalgic flavor they don't want to lose. Kaohsiung has set up a drought response center with the central government as water levels run low. The city says 50 more water wells will be installed around the city to provide more than 130,000 tons of water a day. But with southern Taiwan seeing its worst dry spell in 30 years, major challenges could be coming and not just for agriculture. Kaohsiung is experiencing a severe shortage of water for irrigation. At a pumping station in the Taogong Canal, water levels have reached a new low, having dropped one meter from where they usually stand. Right now, there is about 134,000 cubic meters of water, in contrast with 144,000 in previous years. The shortage is quite severe. Farmers in the irrigation area, especially downstream and in higher areas, are not receiving enough water. The Water Resources Agency is concerned that rains won't arrive in time for the irrigation season in March and April. Just half a month ago, farmers reported some of their fields had already dried up, requiring immediate irrigation assistance. With even more severe water shortages on the horizon, Kaohsiung and the central government have established a drought response center to jointly coordinate water resources and administration. In Kaohsiung, we use about 1.4 million to 1.5 million tons of water every day on average. We launched a preventative plan two years ago and set up 62 wells around the city that can provide 136,000 tons of water a day. This year, we will install another 50 wells, providing 132,000 tons of water a day. The city's Water Resources Department plans to install an additional 50 wells along the Gaoping River, which will be able to provide water by the end of April. Over in Jai, water is also running low. Since early February, water levels at Lantan Reservoir have dropped to below 50% capacity. Recently, we've been getting less and less rain. It's been a real headache for businesses. If there is a water shortage, that will impact car washes. Water is scarce in southern Taiwan, which is facing its driest spell in 30 years. Local governments are doing all they can to conserve water, but if the weather doesn't cooperate, big problems are on the horizon for farmers in everyday life. Taiwan reported its first two local infections of monkeypox on Wednesday. Neither of the patients had left the country recently, and they have no known links between them or any previously detected imported cases. Let's hear from the CDC. 
出现这个本土的猴痘的病例哈，总计有两例。We have seen the first domestic infections of monkeypox, two in total. The two cases have no relation to the imported case we reported last week, and we have not found any link between them. So they're sporadic local cases. Since June 2022, Taiwan has reported a total of seven monkeypox cases, five of which were imported. The disease is currently classified as a Category 2 infectious disease, which means that if a suspected case is found, it must be reported to the government within 24 hours. Immigrants from all over the world come to Taiwan where they find work, start families and contribute to making the island so special. In today's installment of An Immigrant Story, FTV reporter Stephanie Yang takes us to meet two British expats who have opened up a shop in Taipei. There, they sell handmade British-style sausages and freshly baked goods like sausage rolls, scotch eggs, steak, and L pie. Over the years, they have won many local patrons, loyal patrons from the expat community, and even have many local Taiwanese followers. Let's take a look. First thing we have to do is flour the egg. First, flour the soft-boiled egg to allow the sausage to stick better. Look at this. Then flatten out the sausage and wrap the egg into the sausage. After that, put the ball into the egg yolk. It's perfect. Now these are Japanese breadcrumbs. And coat the sausage with pinko breadcrumb. It's finally time to fry it for six minutes. This is the weekend special here called Scotch Egg. It's a popular dish that originated in the town of Whitby in 19th century England. We're not limited just to doing sausages. I mean. We do a, a range of, of British-style meat pies. We do um, ready meals that, that are just microwavable. They're very, very easy. Um, we do things like chicken cordon bleu, chicken Kiev. Um, we, we do stuff that it's it's basically the full package. You, you know, we we're, we're a one-stop shop. Apart from the sausages, all our other products are handmade. And the same with the sausages, we, it's all very natural. We use very good quality ingredients. We don't put any preservatives. Um, so it's, it's, it's good, well-made food. And uh, these kind of products are not widely available either. What we're going to do is it's going to roll out the pastry. Besides scotch eggs, steak and ale pie is another bestseller and is a classic dish found in most pubs around England. All of these goods are handmade daily by Lee and his son Curtis. They say they make at least 50 to 60 steak and ale pies daily and around 2,000 pies a month. For example, with the meat pies, the meat pies are easy to make. It's really simplistic, but it's time consuming. You know, each pie is going to take approximately two minutes to make. At the moment, we're probably making in excess of 2,000 pies a month, plus all the other products. And as Dom just said, these are all handmade. You know, there's, there's no machine to make them. So these are all handmade. So it's, it's quite a laborious job, but the end product is worth it. Dom and Lee are from the UK. After stints in the finance industry and as an operations director for a nightclub abroad, the two moved to Taiwan and decided to bring a taste of home with them by opening up a store. In the beginning, they simply made sausages, but later on, they transitioned to making other British delicacies, such as scotch eggs, steak and ale pie, sausage rolls, shepherd's pie, and more. 
Aside from making all their goods by hand, they also don't add any preservatives. Over the years, they have won many loyal patrons from the UK, the expat community, and even the local Taiwanese community. I saw a gap in the market for sausages that we, we missed the flavors from home. Um, uh, the brand was launched in 2015, and we're now in a number of different supermarkets. We, we, we're probably 60% Taiwanese and 40% and, and foreigners, um, but again, that, that's changed. You know, it, it didn't. It, it didn't use. When we first started, of course, it, it was it was mainly foreigners that came in, because wow, you know, you got you got the homeland uh, food in. But now, as I, I mentioned to you before, uh, a lot of the reasons I think anyway is because lots of Taiwanese study overseas and they pick up the culture of the food. When they come back to Taiwan, they want to find that food again, and they found it here. The team hopes to keep churning out even more British baked goods and offer their patrons a taste of the UK in Taiwan. FTV reporters Stephanie Yang and Lee Hunt in Taipei. Taiwan's manufacturers are cutting their workforce amid slowing economic growth and weakening global demand. According to the Ministry of Labor, by the end of February 2023, a total of over 2,000 businesses had employees on furlough, affecting 17,000 workers. Of all the workers affected, almost 7,000 are in manufacturing, overtaking tour operators, which was one of the largest sectors on furlough scheme during the height of the pandemic, along with restaurants and hotels. Back then, layoffs and furloughs were a common occurrence in the service sector while manufacturing saw a surge of demand for goods and record high revenues. In a post-COVID era, the food business is back in full swing and employing new workers, while factories are cutting back on operations.